0: Turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter 8, Acts chapter 8 and verse 9. Let's stand, we'll get the blood flowing a little bit so you don't go to sleep on me, okay? Okay, Acts chapter 8 and verse 9. A man named Simon, who had previously practiced sorcery in that city and amazed the Samaritan people, while claiming to be somebody great, they all paid attention to him from the least of them to the greatest, and they said, This man is called the great power of God. They were attentive to him because he had amazed them with his sorceries for a long time. But when they believed Philip, as he proclaimed the good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ... Both men and women were baptized. Even Simon himself believed, and after he was baptized, he followed Philip everywhere and was amazed as he observed the signs and great miracles that were being performed. When the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. After they went down there, they prayed for them so that the Samaritans might receive the Holy Spirit, because he had not yet come down on any of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also so that anyone I lay hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter told him, May your silver be destroyed with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this matter because your heart is not right before God. Therefore, repent of this wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord that, if possible, your heart's intent may be forgiven, for I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by wickedness. Pray to the Lord for me, Simon replied, so that nothing you have said may happen to me. So after they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they traveled back to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. You can be seated. Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up in the temple. And he said, Woe is me, I am undone. I am a sinful man. I've got, I have got. speak with unclean lips. And uh, Daniel saw the exalted Christ, uh, that before Jesus became a man, he was the Son of God, the eternal Son of God in glory. And Daniel sees him and falls on his face. Moses saw the back of the glory of God, and his face glowed with the shining presence of God uh, upon his face, and the people were afraid as he came down off the mountain. Now, you and I may not see God's glory in one of those specific ways while we're here in this life, but we do see the glory of God. God shows us his glory in what he does in our lives, how he works, and how he answers prayer. And um, it is is truly a wonderful thing. And when we see the glory of God, it it redirects us in our thinking. It gives us hope. It gives us joy. Uh, In the midst of everything that is going on in this world, our God is still God. He is still working and moving in mighty power. Uh, As Philip was scattered from... Uh, Jerusalem under the persecution that was happening, he goes to Samaria, and Philip begins to teach them about the gospel, and he, he's doing these signs and wonders, and, and they had been following this guy uh, who, uh, Simon the sorcerer, who had done some things, he'd done some miracles, but they were done with another power, they were done with a demonic power, and he had impressed them, but when Philip came, He's also doing signs and wonders, but they're greater. And the people begin to listen to what Philip has to say, and even Simon uh, comes, and they believe, and they are baptized. Uh, But then Simon sees Peter and John come, and and Peter and John uh, pray for the Samaritans to receive the Holy Spirit. You say, well, why didn't the, the Holy Spirit come upon them immediately? It's because it was not God's plan for it to happen that way. God had a purpose, I believe, to join Jews and Samaritans together uh, through the coming of Peter and John, the apostles from Jerusalem to Samaria to pray for them to receive the Spirit so that there would be a oneness among God's people. Uh, Jews and Samaritans, they hated each other. But Jesus brought them together through the gospel. And so... uh, Simon sees this, and he says, well, hey, give me this gift that I I can pray for somebody. They can receive the Holy Spirit, and here, I'm going to give you some money for it. Now, in those days, if you were a magician, if you were a sorcerer, you would pay uh, to get the secret for somebody else's power. But that's not the way things work in the kingdom of God. Uh, God gives things as gifts of His grace. And so, uh, Peter begins to rebuke Him, because it not only refers to the coming of the Spirit, but it's, it attacks the heart of the gospel. To believe that you earn, that you work for this eternal life that we have, that you work for the gift of the Spirit. Listen, if you're working for it, it's not a gift, right? So uh, Peter rebukes him and he says, Look, you, may you perish with your money because you're trying to buy The gift of God. And so Simon requests prayer, and then God begins to move, and and the gospel begins to spread through that region. But God's glory is revealed throughout this story in several ways. And that's the title of my message, The Revelation of God's Glory. How does God reveal His glory to us? Well, first of all, He shows us His greater power. His greater power. I love this. They've been been observing demonic power. And by the way, let me say this before I get into this too much. Did you know there is spiritual power in this world besides God's power? You need to understand that as a Christian. There is counterfeit power. There is a counterfeit spirituality. Uh, People can have spiritual experiences that don't come from God. People can be healed and it not be of God. This is something that we need to recognize because it is a reality in this world. And uh, there are many different displays of power, and I'm not going to get into all of those, but we need to understand that God's power is greater than all of those powers. His greater power. Simon had some power, but when he saw Philip, doing the work of God, he recognized this is a greater power than the power I have. And I need some of this power. And so he, whether he was sincere or not is open to question. And that, that's been debated. But <clears throat> Simon did want some of this power. Verse 13 says, even Simon himself believed after he was baptized, he followed Philip everywhere and was amazed as he observed the signs and great miracles that were being performed. He says, I've never seen anything like this. I'm going to tell you something. When God begins to move in mighty power, it will be like nothing we've ever seen before. (laughs) When when God begins to change a life, when he takes somebody who is dead in their trespasses and sin, and he makes them alive in Christ, it's a profound change. When God takes a church and he revives a church, He begins to show them things they've never seen before. He begins to work and souls begin to be saved like they've never been before. Uh, People's lives get fervent for Jesus because the power of God has come near. And there's nothing like his power. Can I tell you something? We serve a powerful God. I don't believe that God is limited in his power in any way. Uh, He can work and move as he chooses to work and move. And as we call upon his name in faith, he will answer, and he will move, and he will work. And so, uh, one of the things I pray for this church is that the power of God would be upon this church. Listen, you don't need what I have to offer. You need what God has to offer. (laughs) That's, That's what we need. That's the hope for America. It's not in the Democrats or the Republicans. It's in the Lord. Our hope is in Jesus, His greater power. So God's glory is revealed through the powerful work He's done. As I look back over my life, I see how God has answered prayer, I see how God has has worked in my life and brought me through difficulties and trials and how faithful He's been, And, and the fact that... In times where I felt helpless, he came through. He worked what I couldn't work, and he did what I couldn't do. Uh, He is such a great God. His revelation of glory comes through his works of power among his people. So we see a revelation of God's glory. How? Through his greater power. Secondly, through his visible sign. Through his visible sign. Now, what, what sign am I talking about? I'm talking about the laying on of hands. The laying on of hands was a sign of what God was doing, right? At Pentecost, you had no laying on of hands, right? No no laying on of hands at Pentecost. The Spirit just came. God doesn't have to have us do something to help Him out, right? This is just a sign. So why do they come to lay hands on the Samaritans? I believe there were some Jews who would have believed that the Samaritans couldn't be saved. They were beyond God's help. Uh, There was a hatred between Jews and Samaritans. I think God sent Peter and John there uh, to pray for them. That's what the Bible says here. First, they prayed. Then they laid on hands. and The laying on of hands was a sign that the fact that they had prayed for God's Spirit to come. And that through the agency of the apostles and their prayers, the Spirit, these Jewish apostles, the Spirit was coming to the Samaritans. God was giving a visual picture aid of how He works through prayer. And the Spirit of God comes. Now, I believe in the book of Acts, it's a little different because God is showing His, He's putting His stamp of approval on each of these different people groups. Uh, and uh, he does it in some different ways. Uh, But the Bible teaches that when conversion happens that we have the Spirit of God. Uh, Romans says in Romans 8, uh, Paul says, He who does not have the Spirit of God is none of his. In other words, you're not a believer if you don't have the Spirit of God. So uh, the Bible teaches that God gives the Spirit at conversion, but he is God, so he can do stuff the way he chooses to do it, right? And in this case, I believe for the sake of unity in the church. I mean, think about the miraculous nature of this. The Jews despised the Samaritans so much that they would take the long way, rather than walk through Samaria, they would take the long way around to avoid the Samaritans. That's why they hated them so much. That's why Jesus' story, the good Samaritan, was so shocking and offensive to them. Uh, what's Jesus saying? You need to care and show kindness to the people that are the least likely to receive it. You need to show them love. It, It was repugnant to them to hear that because they hated the Samaritans. They were not neutral. They had strong feelings. So the gospel changes those kinds of things. We need recon- racial reconciliation in America. Can I tell you what will happen? When people put their trust in Jesus Christ, God will bring racial reconciliation. So here you've got these Jewish apostles laying hands on these Samaritan believers, and the Spirit of God comes, and it says, God is saying, look, I'm reconciling these two people groups together. I'm showing that I answer prayer. I'm showing that I have a plan for the Jews and for the Samaritans, that my mission is going forward, and that I'm approving of this work among the Samaritans. He gave a visible sign. So that visible sign is kind of like a caboose on a train. It's optional. Okay, Nothing wrong with laying hands on somebody and praying for something, but there's nothing magical about that. It's the prayer that brings the difference. Okay, So... Um, We see the the revelation of God's glory in that he is reconciling. What a wonderful thing to see reconciled relationships. What a great God who will reconcile people who have been at odds with one another. And praise God, he reconciled us. Jesus reconciled us to the Father. How could a sinful man have a relationship with a holy God? Listen, I want to tell you something. There's no way... This this man could enter God's presence apart from the blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, the power of the blood of Jesus to reconcile sinful men to a holy God, to reconcile sinful men to one another. This is the work that God, our glorious God, does. So we see his glory through his greater power, through his visible sign, Thirdly, through his gracious gift. Peter offers money, I mean, uh, Simon offers money to Peter, saying, Give me this power, in verse 19. Peter says, May your silver be destroyed with you, verse 20, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. This was no light thing. Now, Simon probably doesn't even think twice about it. He's just like, I want this power, so I'm going to give money for that power. But Peter recognizes that it goes to the heart of the gospel. You see, nobody gets into heaven because they're good enough. Did you know that? The Bible says that our righteousness is as filthy rags. Speaking of the, the, not to be gross, but the lepers would wrap, wrap these rags around their sores and the pus would leak out on the rags and it would stink and it was just nasty okay that's what he's talking about our righteousness the best Billy Graham has to offer God is a filthy rag in God's sight Jesus said at the end of the sermon on the mount he said be you perfect as your father in heaven is perfect uh What we see here, Simon is rebuked for the purpose of his heart. Sometimes we don't think of of sin as being those types of things, that I could have the wrong purpose in my heart. What was his purpose? Probably to get himself notoriety and money, right? That was the purpose. Give me what I can get. I want this power so that I can benefit myself. He had a sinful purpose. Uh, When you begin to think about the purposes of our hearts, the The thought life that God holds us responsible. God searches hearts and minds. The Bible says every man will give an account of every word that is spoken, the words that we speak. You see, you and I have sinned not just a little bit, but we've sinned so much, there's no hope. One sin, eating a forbidden fruit in the garden, caused Adam and Eve to be cast out. You and I have many sins. And because of those sins, there's no way, because God's standard is perfection, there's no way we can get to heaven any other way than through a gift of God's grace. So what did Jesus do? Jesus lived that perfect life in our place. And then he went to the cross to satisfy God's justice, because God, has, as a just God, has to punish sin. And so God... um, punishes my sin, punishes your sin. Upon Jesus Christ at the cross, Jesus said these wonderful words, it is finished, or it's literally one word in Greek, paid in full. All my sins has been paid for. <laughs> so, Jesus dies, he rises from the grave, Uh, and as our substitute makes a way, he opens the door. That's why the temple veil ripped in two, because now there's a way open for sinful men to have fellowship with the Holy God. And uh, it comes through the work of the gospel. Now, this this gospel is given as a gift. I love Romans 6.23, kind of puts it in a nutshell. It says, the, the wages of sin is death. That's not just the physical death. That's also the spiritual death of the separation we have from God and the second death, which is the lake of fire, according to the book of Revelation. That is the place called hell. The wages of sin is death. What I earn through my sin. Listen, you don't want what you earn from God because all we get from what we earn is death and hell. The wages of sin is death. We work to earn wages, don't we, at our jobs? But we give gifts to people at Christmas time. Now, you may have a a relative that gives you gifts with strings attached. I'm not talking about that, okay? That's not a true gift. Uh, But uh, a true gift is something that's given, and you're not going to ask that person to do something for it, right? It is given as a gift of love. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Salvation is a gift that we receive. And guess what? One of the benefits of that salvation is we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And what a gracious gift. How good is our God to give us a gracious gift we had no hope of receiving any other way? How great and how glorious is a God who will humble himself and send his own son as our substitute at the cross. How glorious is that? It is a revelation of God's glory. So we we see his great glory through his greater power, his visible signs, his gracious gift, his merciful confrontation. Peter says in verse uh, 21, You have no part or share in this matter because your heart is not right before God. Therefore, repent of this wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord that if possible your heart's intent or purpose may be forgiven. For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by wickedness. Now there's a lot there. There's a whole lot of confrontation going on there. And Peter is given a supernatural understanding of what's going on in Simon's life. Uh, He sees exactly what's going on in his heart. And then he rebukes. And this rebuke is a kindness. He says, verse 22, Therefore repent of this wickedness. Repent of your wicked heart. Repent of your wicked purpose. Repent of your bitterness. Repent of all these things. He's being called to repentance. There are people in our culture today that want us to shut our mouths about anything involving the statement of this is sin. They don't want to hear that it is wrong to commit adultery or that, that we consider the LGBTQ and all the other letters to be wrong in the eyes of God. They don't want to hear that. They don't want us telling them there's one way to heaven through Jesus Christ. But you see, the the confrontation with our sin is a blessing. It's a mercy. Why? Because it points us to Jesus Christ. It shows us our need for Christ so that we can come to Christ and repent of those sins and find forgiveness and eternal life. There's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Uh, and, And our understanding what our sin is shows us that we need Jesus. So it is a merciful confrontation. God mercifully confronted me as a boy when I heard the message and realized that I had not repented of my sin. He confronted me that I was lost. I needed Jesus. And you know what? I am so grateful for that. I'm so grateful that God didn't say, boy, I better not tell Roger anything about his sins. He might be offended. He pointed out my sin. Why? So he could show me mercy. (laughs) And my life has never been the same. So we see the glory of God's confrontation. Aren't you glad that God tells us the truth? I tell you, when I, want, when I go to the doctor, if I've got cancer, I want the doctor to tell me. I don't want him to say, well, I, he might not like it if I tell him he's got cancer. Why? If he's honest with me, I can do something about it. God is honest with us, and he is merciful to us in showing us our sins so that we can come to Christ. And it is a revelation of his great glory. I'm so grateful that we serve a God who doesn't stick his finger in the air to see what public opinion is. I'm so grateful that we serve a God who's not worried what the media thinks or what uh, the the politicians think or anyone else. Uh, We serve a God who does what's right because it's the right thing to do. And, uh, And so we see the greatness of His glory in His great power, His visible sign, His gracious gift, His merciful confrontation, and His evangelistic heart. I love this, verse 25. So after they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they traveled back to Jerusalem preaching the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. Um, What an amazing thing that these Jewish apostles are going to the Samaritans to tell them the gospel. Did you know everybody needs the gospel? Short people need the gospel, tall people need the gospel. Skinny people need the gospel and fat people need the gospel. Uh, People of all colors, of all backgrounds, of all socioeconomic classes need the gospel. And we need to take the gospel to them. God God didn't say, now I'm I'm grateful we can come and see, right? We we live in a country where where we can invite people and you should invite people and I praise God for it. Um, But we're called to go and tell. And there are some people who will not come through the doors of our church unless we go to them. and so. Uh, but we see God's evangelistic heart. Listen, the Jews may have written off the Samaritans, but God didn't. Listen, other people may try to write you off, but can I tell you something on the authority of God's word? God so loves the world, and that includes you, that he gave his only son. God's not written you off. My next-door neighbor in Texas um, was talking with me one day, and he said these words of everything I could do to, to keep my emotions under control. When he said it, he said, do you he, he told me about a sin he'd committed in his past. He said, do you think God could save somebody like me? The answer is yes. He'll save every kind of sinner. <laughs> Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. You will be saved. That's the promise of God. The door is open. Whosoever will may come. This is God's evangelistic heart. Praise God that you don't have to live up to a standard for God to love you. He loves you right where you are. And he offers his forgiveness in the gospel. And oh, what a glorious God he is. If I was God, I would not have sought me out. <laughs> but praise God, he's not like me. He is sought me out when I didn't deserve to be sought out. He sought me out when I wasn't worthy to be sought out. He sought me out uh, in the midst of being unworthy. That's the grace and the great love of my Savior. And it is a glorious, wonderful thing. The revelation of God's glory. How does God reveal His glory to us? He shows us his greater power, his visible sign, his gracious gift, his merciful confrontation in his evangelistic heart. And he is truly glorious. And as we lift our eyes and we see the glory of who he is, we need to be asking, Lord, make me more like Jesus. Help me love people like you love me. Help me tell people about Jesus. And we also need to be lifting him up in worship. He is worthy. Did you know, let praise and thanksgiving be a habit. It will bless you. It will bless you. God's worthy of it, so you ought to do it because God's worthy of it, regardless of how it affects you. But if you praise and thank God on a regular basis in your life, you're going to walk more filled with the Holy Spirit. There's something about praise and thanksgiving that will do that. So to tell God how great He is. Uh, thank Him for the good things He's done and see what He will do in your life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for, Lord, just reminding us of how great and how glorious you are. Help us never to forget the grace that we've received. And, Lord, if there's someone here today that doesn't know that grace that Jesus has purchased for us, then I pray that uh, today would be the day. I pray, Lord, that you give the ability to genuinely Uh, repent or turn from sin to receive that gift of eternal life and uh, father may you be